when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh large in the Stately clump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Joe Dunford. By lorries along Sir John Rogerson's quay, Mr Bloom walked soberly, past Windmill Lane, Leask's the Linseed Crushers, the Postal Telegraph Office. Could have given that address too and passed the sailor's home. He turned from the morning noises of the quayside and walked through Lime Street. By Brady's cottages, a boy for the skins lolled, his bucket of offal linked, smoking a chewed fag butt. A smaller girl with scars of eczema on her forehead eyed him, listlessly holding her battered cask hoop. Tell him if he smokes he won't grow. Oh, let him. His life isn't such a bed of roses waiting outside pubs to bring Da home. Come home to Ma, Da. Slack hour. Won't be many there. He crossed Townsend Street, past the frowning face of Bethel. L, yes, house of, Aleph, Beth. And past Nichols, the undertakers. At eleven, it is. Time enough. Dare say Corny Kelleher bagged that job for O'Neill's, singing with his eyes shut. Corny. Met her once in the park. In the dark, what a lark, police tout, her name and address she then told with my toraloom toraloom tay. Oh, surely he bagged it, bury him cheap in a watchamacool, with my toraloom, 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 toraloom. In Westland Row, he halted before the window of the Belfast and Oriental Tea Company and read the legends of lead-papered packets. Choice blend, finest quality, family tea. Rather warm. Tea. Must get some from Tom Kernan. Couldn't ask him at a funeral, though. While his eyes still read blandly, he took off his hat, quietly inhaling his hair oil, and sent his right hand with slow grace over his brow and hair. Very warm morning. Under their dropped lids, his eyes found the tiny bow of the leather headband inside his high-grade hat. Just there. His right hand came down into the bowl of his hat. His fingers found quickly a card behind the headband and transferred it to his waistcoat pocket. So warm. His right hand once more, more slowly, went over again. Choice bland, made of the finest Ceylon brands, the Far East. Lovely spot it must be. The garden of the world. Big, lazy leaves to float about on. Cactuses. Flowery meads. Snaky lianas, they call them. Wonder is it like that, those Singalese lobbing around in the sun in dolce far niente, not doing a hand's turn all day, sleep six months out of twelve, too hot to quarrel, influence of the climate, lethargy, flowers of idleness, the air feeds most, azotes, hot house in botanic gardens, sensitive plants, water lilies, Petals too tired to... Sleeping sickness in the air. Walk on rose leaves. 
Imagine trying to eat tripe and cow heel. Where was the chap I saw in that picture somewhere? Ah, in the Dead Sea, floating on his back, reading a book with a parasol open. Couldn't sink if you tried, so thick with salt. Because the weight of the water, no, the, the weight of the body in the water, is equal to the weight of the... Or is it the volume is equal of the weight? It's a law, something like that. Vance in high school cracking his finger joints, teaching the college curriculum. Cracking curriculum. What is weight really when you say the weight? 32 feet per second per second. Law of falling bodies per second per second. They all fall to the ground. The earth. It's the force of gravity of the earth is the weight. He turned away and sauntered across the road. How did she walk with her sausages? Like that something. As he walked, he took the folded freeman from his side pocket, unfolded it, rolled it lengthwise in a baton, and tapped it at each sauntering step against his trouser leg. Careless air, just drop in to see. Per second, per second. Per second for every second, it means. From the curbstone, he darted a keen glance through the door of the post office. Too late box. Post here. No one. In. He handed the card through the brass grill. Are there any letters for me? he asked. While the postmistress searched a pigeonhole, he gazed at the recruiting poster with soldiers of all arms on parade and held the tip of his baton against his nostrils, smelling fresh printed rag paper. No answer, probably. Went too far last time. The postmistress handed him back through the grill his card with a letter. He thanked and glanced rapidly at the typed envelope. Henry Flower, Esquire, care of P.O. Westland Row, City. Answered anyhow. He slipped card and letter into his side pocket, reviewing again the soldiers on parade. Where's old Tweedy's regiment? Cast off soldier. There, bearskin cap and hackle plume. No, he's a grenadier. Pointed cuffs. There he is, Royal Dublin Fusiliers. Red coats. Too showy. That must be why the women go after them. Uniform. Easier to enlist and drill. Maud Gon's letter about taking them off O'Connell Street at night. Disgrace to our Irish capital. Griffith's paper is on the same tack now. An army rotten with venereal disease, overseas or half-seas over empire. Half-baked they look, hypnotised like. Eyes front, mark time, table, able, bed, ed, the king's own. Never see him dressed up as a fireman or a bobby. A mason, yes. He strolled out of the post office and turned to the right. Talk, as if that would mend matters. His hand went into his pocket, and a forefinger felt its way under the flap of the envelope, ripping it open in jerks. Women will pay a lot of heed, I don't think. His fingers drew forth the letter and crumpled the envelope in his pocket. Something pinned on. Photo, perhaps? Hair? No. McCoy. Get rid of him quickly. Take me out of my way. Hate company when you... Hello, Bloom. Where are you off to? Hello, McCoy. Nowhere in particular. How's the body? Fine. How are you? Just keeping alive, McCoy said. His eyes on the black tie and clothes, he asked with low respect. Is there any... 
No trouble, I hope. I see you're... Oh, no, Mr. Bloom said. Poor Dignam, you know. The funeral is today. To be sure, poor fellow. So it is. What time? A photo it isn't. A badge, maybe. Uh, eleven, Mr. Bloom answered. I must try to get out there, McCoy said. Eleven, is it? I only heard it last night. Who was telling me? Hollahan, you know Hoppy. I know. Mr. Bloom gazed across the road at the outsider drawn up before the door of the Grosvenor. The porter hoisted the valise up on the well. She stood still, waiting, while the man, husband, brother, like her, searched his pockets for change. Stylish kind of coat with that roll collar. Warm for a day like this. Looks like blanket cloth. Careless stand of her with her hands in those patch pockets. Like that haughty creature at the polo match. Women all for caste till you touch the spot. Handsome is and handsome does. Reserved about to yield. The Honourable Mrs. and Brutus is an honourable man. Possess her once, take the starch out of her. I was with Bob Doran. He's on one of his periodical bends. And what do you call him? Bantam Lyons. Just down there in Conway's we were. Doran, Lyons in Conway's. She raised a gloved hand to her hair. In came Hoppy having a wet. Drawing back his head and gazing far from beneath his veiled eyelids, he saw the bright fawn skin shine in the glare, the braided drums. Clearly I can see today. Moisture about gives long sight, perhaps. Talking of one thing or another, lady's hand. Which side will she get up? And he said, sad thing about our poor friend Paddy. What Paddy, I said. Poor little Paddy Dignam, he said. Off to the country. Broadstone, probably. High brown boots with laces dangling. Well-turned foot. What is he fostering over that change for? Sees me looking. Eye out for other fellow always. Good fallback. Two strings to her bow. Why, I said. What's wrong with him, I said. Proud, rich, silk stockings. Yes, Mr. Bloom said. He moved a little to the side of McCoy's talking head. Getting up in a minute. What's wrong with him, he said. He's dead, he said, and faith, he filled up. Is it Paddy Dignam, I said. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I was with him no later than Friday last, or Thursday, was it, in the arch. Yes, he said, he's gone. He died on Monday, poor fellow. Watch, watch, silk flash, rich stockings, white. Watch, a heavy tram car honking its gong, slewed between. Lost it. Curse your noisy pug nose. Feels locked out of it. Paradise and the Perry. Always happening like that. The very moment. Girl in Eustace Street hallway. Monday, was it, settling her garter. Her friend covering the display of esprit de corps. Well, what are you gaping at? Yes, yes, Mr. Bloom said after a dull sigh. Another gone. One of the best, McCoy said. The tram passed. They drove off towards the loop line bridge, her rich gloved hand on the steel grip. Flicker, flicker, the lace flare of her hat in the sun. Flicker, flick. Wife well, I suppose? McCoy's changed voice said. Oh yes, Mr. Bloom said. Tip top, thanks. He unrolled the newspaper baton idly and read idly. What is home without plum trees, potted meat? Incomplete. With it, an abode of bliss. My missus has just got an engagement. At least it's not settled yet. Valise tack again. By the way, no harm. I'm off that, thanks. 
Mr. Bloom turned his large-lidded eyes with unhasty friendliness. My wife too, he said. She's going to sing at a swagger affair in the Ulster Hall, Belfast, on the 25th. That's so, McCoy said. Glad to hear that, old man. Who's getting it up? Mrs. Marion Bloom. Not up yet. Queen was in her bedroom, eating bread and... No book. Blackened court cards laid along her thigh by sevens. Dark lady and fair man. Cat furry black ball. Torn strip of envelope. Love's old sweet song comes love's old. It's a kind of tour, don't you see? Mr Bloom said thoughtfully. Sweet song. There's a committee formed, part shares and part profits. McCoy nodded, picking at his moustache stubble. Oh well, he said, that's good news. He moved to go. Well, glad to see you looking fit, he said. Meet you knocking around. Yes, Mr Bloom said. Tell you what, McCoy said. You might put down my name at the funeral, will you? I'd like to go, but I mightn't be able, you see. There's a drowning case at Sandy Cove may turn up, and then the coroner and myself would have to go down if the body is found. You just shove in my name if I'm not there, will you? I'll do that, Mr Bloom said, moving to get off. That'll be all right. Right, McCoy said brightly. Thanks, old man. I'd go if I possibly could. Well, toll all. Just C.P. McCoy will do. That will be done, Mr Bloom answered firmly. Didn't catch me napping, that wheeze. The quick touch, soft mark. I'd like my job. Valise I have a particular fancy for. Leather. Capped corners, riveted edges, double action lever lock. Bob Cowley lent him his for the Wicklow Regatta concert last year and never heard tidings of it from that good day to this. Mr Bloom, strolling towards Brunswick Street, smiled. My missus has just gotten... Reedy, freckled soprano. Cheese-pairing nose. Nice enough in its way, for a little ballad. No guts in it. You and me, don't you know, in the same boat. Soft soaping. Give you the needle, that would. Can't he hear the difference? Think he's that way inclined a bit. Against my grain, somehow. Thought that Belfast would fetch him. I hope that smallpox up there doesn't get worse. Suppose she wouldn't let herself be vaccinated again. Your wife and my wife. Wonder is he pimping after me? Mr Bloom stood at the corner, his eyes wandering over the multicoloured hoardings. Cantrell and Cochrane's ginger ale, aromatic. Clary's summer sale. No, he's going on straight. Hello. Leah tonight? Mrs Banman Palmer. Like to see her in that again. Hamlet she played last night. Male impersonator. Perhaps he was a woman. Why, Ophelia committed suicide? Poor Papa. How he used to talk about Kate Bateman in that. Outside the Adelphi in London. Waited all the afternoon to get in. Year before I was born, that was. 65. And Ristori in Vienna. What is this the right name is? By Mosenthal it is. Rachel, is it? No. The scene he was always talking about where the old blind Abraham recognises the voice and puts his fingers on his face. Nathan's voice, his son's voice. I hear the voice of Nathan who left his father to die of grief and misery in my arms, who left the house of his father and left the God of his father. Every word is so deeply appalled.
Poor Papa. Poor man. I'm glad I didn't go into the room to look at his face. That day, oh dear, oh dear, foo. Well, perhaps it was the best for him. Mr. Bloom went round the corner and passed the drooping nags of the hazard. No use thinking of it any more. Nosebag time. Wish I hadn't met that McCoy fellow. He came nearer and heard a crunching of gilded oats, the gently chomping teeth. Their full buck eyes regarded him as he went by, amid the sweet oaten reek of horse piss. Their Eldorado. Poor Jugginses. Damn all they know or care about anything with their long noses stuck in nose bags. Too full for words. Still, they get their feed all right and their dos. Gelded, too, a stump of black gutter percher wagging limp between their haunches. Might be happy all the same that way. Good, poor brutes they look. Still, their neigh can be very irritating. He drew the letter from his pocket and folded it into the newspaper he carried. Might just walk into her here. The lane is safer. He passed the cabman's shelter. Curious, the life of drifting cabbies. All weathers, all places, time or set down, no will of their own. Volio e non. Like to give them an odd cigarette. Sociable. Shout a few flying syllables as they pass. He hummed. La ci la mano, la 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 la.